Oh, it's ashes and... You know what? No. Hey, it's Lynette, and welcome back to Simply Put. I mentioned that I was taking two weeks off, and I needed it. I needed it for my mental health, I needed it for my physical health, I needed it to be okay. And I also mentioned that I needed to take those two weeks to put a part of my life behind me and be in a better situation afterwards. And I'm, I think I'm going to actually explain what that means. Um, so this is going to be really personal and I don't know how many parts this is going to be, but it's, it's going to be something that I'm doing for me. Um, when my grandfather died, it set off a chain of events that I had been waiting to happen since I was a teenager. I come from a very toxic family. Um, all of my aunts and uncles are on some level abusive. Uh, one set of aunt and uncle is in a cult that comes with all of the cultish behaviors that you can imagine that I spent a lot of time in when I was a kid. One uncle uh, dropped out of college because he had a black roommate and they wouldn't change his room. And my other set of aunt and uncles are batshit fucking crazy um, and pushed me off the top of their pontoon boat when I was like eight into shallow water. Uh, I fell off the jungle gym in their backyard and hurt my insides and they left me laying out there until my mom came to pick me up hours later. Um, I don't have relationships with really any of their kids except for um, the white supremacisty one who whose son is is uh, one of my best friends but even then uh, that son doesn't talk to anybody else in the family because they're toxic and awful and I spent an awful lot of time around my grandparents when I was a kid uh, my grandmother was my person, and when she passed away, all bets were off as far as family goes, and a lot of us from that portion of the family were waiting for our grandfather to die because it meant that we would never have to be in the same room with each other again. We would never have to come together for weddings or funerals or anything else, um, that would be it. And because of the type of people that my aunts and uncles are, um, when my grandfather died, it was awful. We were living in the house at the time, and we had planned on buying it. That was what the agreement was when my grandfather had contracted COVID in March, and they said that he only had a couple days to live. Um, 
but then after he died, they completely doubled the price that is well above where the house was even worth. So um, there's no way that we could have gotten a mortgage to cover it because it's more than the house was worth. The house has problems. Um, it was outdated and had foundation issues and um, just a whole bunch of other things that uh, would have made the value go down a lot. And they basically said, this is what the price is. If you're not willing to pay it, then it goes on the market 30 days after he died, um, regardless of the fact that the will still hadn't been read yet because his attorney had uh, retired and was trying to find the paperwork that he needed in order to do it. Um, and um, they told us that on like day 26 after he died. And it would still require us to, to clean out uh, basically, at this point, like six households worth of furniture because my grandfather loved estate sales. And I made the decision that I wasn't going to go back and forth with them. I wasn't paying that money. I wasn't even going to try to. Um, I was just going to be done and leave it behind. I don't have sentimental attachment to the house. I wanted the land, but I can get the same amount of things across town for approximately the price that we had originally talked about. So I wasn't, I wasn't willing to do that. And that set off a chain of events that was unexpected. That set off the doorbell going off randomly a couple times a week when one of my uncles would show up. That turned into uh, my aunt calling several times a day and leaving messages not my phone. I'm not answering the phone. Um, it turned into getting certified letters and massive amounts of emails from my other uncle um, to the point where just existing in my space was traumatic. I was trying to deal with my daughter who every bit of medical equipment they took out of the house struggled more and more with. Um, she would lay in the position where his oxygen tank was for hours at a time and just sob. Um, and when they took his hospital bed, she did the same thing. And it was just like this very traumatic thing where all of us are in different levels of, of pain and working through things. And I ended up basically being the only adult here. Like my husband was working 105 or more hour weeks, um, I was trying to keep up with all that simply has become. So I was doing a mini blog a week. I was doing a podcast a week. I was posting on my Facebook page. At that time, I was trying to do about once a week for interaction. I had a committee meeting on Tuesday. I was involved in um, the a play with my alma mater, like in the background, using some of my stories and my experiences within that. Um, I was spread very thin. I'm still spread very thin. Um, but for somebody who really enjoys being busy, uh, that wasn't necessarily such a big deal. But I never got better. Things didn't get easier. And because my initial original um, PTSD situation and where uh, my therapist thinks a lot of like my personality issues came from 
stems from spending time with my aunts and uncles. Uh, I lived in a constant state of fight or flight. Um, I was on daily anxiety medication. I have um, an as-needed anxiety med that I can take up to three times a day that I was taking two times a day because if I took it three times a day, like I wouldn't be conscious at all. Uh, But it wasn't doing as much as I needed it to do. And um, then things just kept getting worse and we were struggling to find some place to live within the timeline that we had. And um, I couldn't pack up an entire house. I, I couldn't clean the house and watch my kid and deal with the next death that happened. Um, my great uncle passed away. And so the cousins of mine that aren't part of like my aunts and uncles, they're like my mom's nieces and nephews. Um, I'm sorry. They're like my mom's aunt's uh, kids. So like my mom's cousins um, and their kids were my biggest support system and have been for the last decade or so. And so that was a support system that I didn't have. And then I had to be there to support them, which was fine. Um, They were there to support me, but I couldn't. Um, And I remember I was I was waiting to go to therapy and I kept saying, I just have to make it to therapy. I just have to make it to therapy and I'll be okay. And I just sat and I rocked and I sobbed and I just kept saying, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, the doorbell's always ringing. The phone's always ringing. My email's always going off. I keep blocking people's email accounts, but I keep getting more. Um, they keep making more accounts and, and then they're sending me emails from their phone numbers and all of these other things and I just couldn't. I couldn't keep up with the amount of things that I had to block and the external stimuli was so much that I just couldn't function. But I had to. Um, And I lived in that state of panic for weeks until I decided I didn't want to live in that state of panic because nothing ever got better. Um, Nothing ever got better. It just got bad in a different way. And that's been my life for the last year. Um, And then something worse happened. Um, I found out that I was being sued for an incredibly uh, large number of dollars. Um... And it wasn't in relation to anything I did, necessarily. It was actually like an error, like a, um, a clerical error that just got worse because it happened right before the pandemic where the two banks merged together. I had had, like, there was a clerical error with the one bank and we had, like, settled it and they're like, I was found at no fault and it wasn't a problem. But then um, when they merged with the other bank... Uh, apparently they didn't have the ability to make that agreement with me. Um, and because of it being the pandemic and the post office being behind, me not knowing that they merged and us changing our address so we didn't get half of our mail, um, 
all of the the ways to contact me kind of um all the attempts to contact me fell on like what seemed to be dead ears and I ended up I called my attorney and I was just like yo like what's what's going on like can I call and talk to the bank can I call and talk to the attorney um and so I did both of those and things ended up being fine um like not fine I'm still unhappy um but fine in the sense of hopefully I can get everything taken care of so that I don't actually have to go to court and um get that taken off my record um because even the attorney was just like I can see how things like missed how things were missed because of the area that we're in like we can see when you changed your address we can like see all of those things so um that was all fine and dandy, except for it meant I wouldn't pass a background check. Which made finding some place to live almost impossible. Which meant I was going to have to stay in this level of panic even longer. And there wasn't anything I could do about it. We could buy a house. Like, we had the money to pay the money immediately. But we had the money because we were saving to buy a house. And we don't have anywhere to live, so we're trying to decide, okay, like, is it worth taking the time to buy a house? Do we want to hurry up and buy a house because we need some place to buy a house? Or do we want to rent some place and take the time to actually get a house that we love, that we've looked for a long time for? Uh, And that was kind of taken away from us. And as I'm speaking now, that still hasn't been figured out, but because you needed the background check to get the place to live, I couldn't use the money that was saved for the place to live to pay the debt to be able to get it taken off my record so I would pass the background check. Um, And I felt like a failure. I'd been feeling like a failure for a really long time. but everything compounding on itself and all of my support systems being so far away uh, made everything so much worse because I see my husband maybe 45 minutes a day. He leaves for work at 2.30. I'm lucky if he's home like 2.30 in the morning and I'm lucky if he's home before 10 o'clock. Um, and my daughter goes to bed between 8 and 8.30, and, um, I tried so hard to stay up, and I just wasn't getting enough sleep, and I wasn't able to give her the attention that she wanted. And I felt like a failure as a wife, because I wasn't able to even have any sort of emotional needs met during this time. Like, I wasn't even able to talk to him about everything that was going on. He wasn't able to talk to me. Like, I know that he struggles with death in general. He doesn't handle death well in the people in his own family. And then he basically just watched my grandfather die and carried his dead body to to the grave. And I know that he struggled with that. But neither one of us were able to process that um, together because we weren't ever able to be together. And... He was sad because he was missing time with Rue, and I was sad because I never got to to 
to talk about what was going on. And I just had to keep it in and just deal with it on my own because there wasn't anything that he could do anyway. And uh, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. Um, and when I went into therapy that day, I was trying really hard not to cry in the waiting room. I was talking to Jordan. I was texting Jordan. And, and he knew where I was at and that I was not okay and that he didn't want to leave me alone. And, and Kathy, um, who is one of my really good friends from college, was... Um, doing everything that she could to find a way to get vacation to just come here and sit with me because she was really concerned and um god we she called me and I got to her office and I looked at her and I was like can I sit on the floor and as soon as I lowered myself onto the floor, I started sobbing, uncontrollably sobbing. And she gave me some fidget toys and she gave me some water and I just couldn't, couldn't stop. And she was afraid that I was going to hyperventilate and she emailed my doctor um, because all, like, it was all in the same building. Um, and I ended up, I just curled up in the fetal position and sobbed for half of my session and I told her I'm like it's not that I want to die but I am drowning and I keep saying that and I've been saying that for months probably since like August of last year I'm really overwhelmed I can't take on anything else um, but that never stopped Things from falling in my lap or people from having unrealistic expectations of what I'm capable of and part of that is because I've taught them that I can say I'm really overwhelmed and still keep going so they didn't understand just how bad it was and they didn't care that um, that I kept saying it because it, it never had made a difference before so there's nobody in my life that hasn't heard I'm really overwhelmed and I can't handle it anymore or my anxiety's gotten really bad or I don't want to do this anymore. Um, at all. And it never actually changed the way anybody interacted with me. And that... That really hurt. Because I'm sitting here, I'm doing the things that you're supposed to do. Where you're telling people where you're at mentally. And instead of just accepting that and respecting that, everybody just kept going and dumping more things in my lap. And a lot of those things were things that I couldn't not do. Whether it's because I didn't feel comfortable leaving them unaddressed or because of the issues that would come because of that or because I thought that whatever that issue was was more important or would be more dangerous if left un undealt with than mine. 
I spent a year crying out for help and understanding and nobody listened. And, uh, <laughs> everybody always says, you know, you just, you just keep going and then things get better. And, and that's not, that's not true. And I wish that people would stop saying that because I kept going and nothing ever got better. Things got better for the things around, for like the people around me, but nothing got better better for me because things got better for the people around me because I was taking on those things for them so that they didn't have to. And when I finally decided I was going to stop doing that, um, my entire life fell apart because all of a sudden all of these people who were used to having me to rely on were then angry because I couldn't take that on anymore. And trying to find a way to navigate that with my friends group and my family um, was almost impossible. And it made me feel really lonely because I didn't feel like I had anybody to turn to and when I would try to turn to people it turned into I don't have time or I'd get left unread for days and by the time they responded it just I didn't need that, and um, and I ran out of hope. I didn't feel like things were going to get better because realistically things never have in the past so what what like why would I think that things would change now and then trying to decide how much of these issues with like my relationships just in general were my fault because I'd allowed things to get to the point where um, they felt like I could continue to carry more and more and more and never never pay attention to the fact that I was not okay and uh, then October came and I damn near succeeded in killing myself. And even then, nobody changed the way they interacted with me or took anything off of my plate. I didn't reach out to anybody. I um, got really drunk and took a whole bunch of pills 
and then threw them out, and then slit my wrists. And I was met with only anger. My husband was mad at me because what, what about Rue? My mom was disappointed. Um, there were some of my friends who didn't even care. Um, some people who I really fucking valued who didn't even care. And, uh, coming to terms with that was really hard. Because they all were aware of what had just happened. And I had been screaming for months that I was overwhelmed and I needed somebody to take something off of my plate. And nobody felt bad adding more to it. And then I tried to die because there was too much on my plate and I couldn't handle it. And all I got was more stuff on my plate. (laughs) And I did everything that I was supposed to do. I communicated beforehand that it was a problem. I gave people time to come to terms with that. I, I put out boundaries. I... I tried to delegate tasks to other people and they just didn't get done, but they were all things that had to be done. They weren't things that I could ignore. And it all ended up falling on me. And I'm very aware that nobody can save you if you don't want to be saved. Like, you have to save yourself. Um, But with the amount of people that I was surrounded with, all the time and how open I was about how I was struggling nobody seemed surprised that it happened but also nobody seemed to care Um, I'm going to pause this and I don't know whether I'm just going to publish this as its own episode or I'm going to add to it but I'm not done talking and and I hope I hope that you're still listening